thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Society where up until very recently, the concept of a pandemic was something that was largely academic. It existed on TV and online. But then I became infected with this thing called CV19. Now, treat it seriously, but best not to call 999. And it hit me so imperiously like Ray, that's 619. But mysteriously, when I was taken to a sanatorium and they described that my delirium would become an affliction, still they wouldn't prescribe the DeLorean to take me back to the future when this was still fiction. So it appears that we are living in a time where peace is past tense. Perhaps I should bow my head in repentance because we have all started to say things that are simply past sense. I hear that even the footballers will start paying penance, so truly, this is unprecedented. But penny for your thoughts, because I want to say something that has been less well represented. You see, there's this thing that's badgering me, but I don't want to treat it like a badge of honour. It's a scar casting a shadow over my mind, like the dark mark in Harry Potter. So Wingardium Leviosa, I am so far gone with stress. You see, what happens when a shadow of doubt pushes you into the valley of the shadow of death? This used to be a great land, but all I see is a wasteland. More empty than the charmless kiss of a waste man, where is my faith now? Because I could be lifting my palms for this, seeking God's plan in the Graceland where David is writing Psalms for this. But honestly, All I can feel is the harm in this, and I've become so dysfunctional that I reject the wisdom of Simon Peter for that of Simon and Garfunkel. So I am afraid of coronavirus, but truthfully, my darkest fear is that I can't cope with the sound of this silence. Now everybody is saying to me that I should use this as an opportunity for realignment. Put a chair up on the shore, absorb some vitamins, and just appreciate the chillness. But five minutes in, I send a flare-up, man overboard because I need Ritalin just to survive the stillness. You see, my great illness is that I'm always playing the victim, apologising to people with my arms folded. I'm really sorry, but I just don't have time to fit you in. Finally, I can kick back, kill some time and stop the pillaging. But when it comes to free time, I put my fists up because all I want to do is fill it in. I could have followed the lamb away from the slaughter, but without my busyness, I just feel like a fish out of water. So if you're telling me that the catch of the day is to stew in my own juice, well, truthfully, that sounds to me more like a catch 22. Now this is all so disparaging, but surely there must be an alternative narrative. My mind is working mercy alago, trying to make sense of the pestilence. And finally, I've met a man who like Leonardo in The Revenant, literally put an embargo on death, then carried the cargo of my malevolence. You see, Jesus saw my heartache, so he took me on a mandate because I had a couple of questions. But afterwards, he gave me a mandate to share a couple of blessings. He sees us living in this interlude, but he's not a backbench MP trying to hide from view. Rather, he's an MVP down in the trenches trying to fight for you. And although COVID has got us running for cover, trying to recover a bit of our former comfort, still, he holds the compass. Because even when I was eastbound and down, his head never went west like Kanye's, because you can't put Jesus into love lockdown. 
And even when they tried to put him in the ground with the blow that was supposed to finish him, all his death served to do was to rip apart a partitioning. Three days later in the garden with Mary Wittering, we follow a God who is not in the habit of social distancing. So Corona might become overwhelming, but from what I can tell, God won't start choking. The shops might get boarded up, and they might even put our borders up, but his heart will remain open. Because in my experience, when God has spoken, he specialises in drawing beauty from things that were previously broken. So whereas social media was this piranha that grew ever greedier, the father's heart moved ever speedier. So that one of the previous causes of emotional unhealth has literally become a resource for relational wealth. And as our leaders are brought to their knees defaulting whenever they're asked to provide meaning, in the meantime our key workers are exalted as we lift our shopkeepers up to the ceiling. This is not just an instigation of feeling, but when we value individuals, we embark on the process of reciprocal healing. But I can see what I've started. A white guy trying to do a rap about catharsis, this is all getting a bit too Alan Partridge. So for my departure, I want to say that the orchestrator of nature will never forget about our human nature and that sometimes the most profound expressions of the creator are found in the very essence of the goodness of human behaviour. Hey, happy Easter everybody. Wasn't that amazing? As you sat and watched that and listened to it, you know, you'll want to watch and listen to that again. That was written and uh, performed by one of our guys here in the church, Tom. It was incredible talent. And uh, we're going to send that out on social media uh, this week with the script because you'll want to watch that and read it a few times. So many incredible words and such profound messages for us in this time of crisis and in this time of coronavirus pandemic and lockdown. And you know, one of the things that impacted me when I listened and watched that and looked at the script as well was, was we've learned some new language, haven't we, uh, in this period that we're all in as a nation and as a world. We've learned language like um, uh, social distancing and self-isolating and, of course, lockdown. And, um, and during this time, we've also learned, or some of us are learning about technology uh, and how to use that. And, and as Tom said in the piece there, what, what often we maybe have thought of, that's a little bit dangerous and of course everything can be, but, but actually now is an absolute necessity. And so I don't know how many of you have um, uh, been using stuff like Zoom, but um, I had um, a lockdown embarrassing moment uh, just a couple of weeks ago, um, whereas my wife, uh, she works at university and she set up uh, office at home and, and she set it all up up in the front room and there were three screens there and it's the same room where where my shirts are in a wardrobe okay and I need to get my shirt one day and I and, and so I'm listening now nah, there's nothing going on she's she, you know she's just in there on her own and so I burst open uh, into the room and there I stood just in my pants and there was all of Alison's team from the university, her boss and all of the senior lecturers looking at me standing there in my pants and I'm sorry if that offends you if you've tuned in, we're a church that likes to be real. All I could think to say to these guys and girls was, oh I'm sorry, I didn't realise you were all here. And then I walked out. It was so embarrassing for my wife and embarrassing uh, for me as well. But you know, in this time of uh, lockdown, we're learning some new things and we're experimenting with technology and we're learning some terms. And, and, and maybe the one term that we are getting, trying to get to grips with is this term lockdown. Uh, and you know, Easter is all about when Jesus was ultimately locked down. 
The ultimate lockdown was Jesus was killed and he was put into a tomb and the tomb was sealed with a huge stone and outside the tomb were a, were, 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 were a unit of, of Roman guards like Navy SEAL soldiers, okay? And this is the ultimate lockdown and it should have been the end for Jesus. It should have been the end for his followers as well. There should be no Christianity because of what happened there. It should also be the end for us to have a relationship with God because Jesus said, hey, if you wanna know what God's like, look at me. If you've seen me, you've seen God. But when Jesus was killed and Jesus was in lockdown, that should have been the end of any kind of notion of a relationship with God. And yet it's not. Why? Because here's the thing. Lockdown couldn't keep him down. Lockdown could not keep him down. And that is the truth today on Easter Sunday. He rose from the dead. He moved the stone and he walked out. And because he did, our lockdown is not the end also. What do I mean by that? He rose from the dead. Lockdown couldn't keep him down. And so this current pandemic that we're in, and when we're in lockdown, this isn't the end because Jesus rose from the dead. And the other lockdowns we experience are not the end. Maybe you are, um, have a lockdown in your life. Maybe it's a physical one. Maybe it's a relational one. Maybe it's a, a financial one. And it feels like lockdown. It feels like you're, you, you, you're kind of, there's nowhere to go. But lockdown isn't the end because Jesus is alive. Lockdown couldn't keep him down. And in fact, Jesus says of himself some amazing words in John chapter 11. And I'm going to read a couple of verses. They'll come up on the screen from the message translation. Listen to this. You don't have to wait for the end. That's a great word, isn't it there? You know, that those guys earlier on in the video, you know, at the end of the lockdown, this is what they're going to do. Most of them are going to get their hair cut or they're going to do their nails or they're going to see their friends. But Jesus is saying, hey, you don't have to wait for the end. I am right now resurrection and life. Guys, whoever you are, whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian or you're not sure, you don't have to wait for the end of this to know Jesus. All of our church doors are locked up, but Jesus is not locked up. Jesus is not locked up because of Easter. And Jesus said, I am right now resurrection and life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. Even death isn't a lockdown. And you know, I, before I want to say anything else, I do want to pause and say, you know, we, we need to think about all of those families who right across the world in our own country are grieving right now. We've lost thousands of people through coronavirus uh, and that's incredibly real and incredibly painful. In fact, uh, a week tomorrow, I do my first funeral of someone who died from coronavirus. Someone who's a member of this church, been a member of this church for a long time, great guy. And um, as I do that funeral a week tomorrow, there'll probably be just a handful of his family there. But you know what? There'll be a handful of his family there. But you know, for Graham, for Graham, there'll be thousands of people in heaven welcoming him who already have welcomed him home because even death is not the end because Jesus lives. And in fact, many of you know, and I've shared this um, on the live stream before, just a few weeks ago, we had the funeral of my mom and, and, and I showed you this little wooden cross that, that she held in her hand all the way while she was in hospital and in the hospice. And, and, and in fact, interestingly enough, when, when she came to die, we, we, we said to the funeral director, we'd love to take that cross and he couldn't find it. We asked him to look again and they did find it. It was in my mom's hands. She died holding on to this wooden cross. And that means that even death itself is not a lockdown. It's not the end 
Because when you put your faith in Jesus, the resurrection and the life, even death itself is not the end. That's so amazing. And here's my main point that I want to communicate with you on Easter Sunday. And I thought about this. It came to me when I was out on one of my daily exercise walks, socially distancing and all of that. And here's the thought, and it's this. Our lockdown is for our safety. His lockdown was for our salvation. Our lockdown is for our safety, and that's so important in the safety of others. His lockdown was for our salvation. Before we get into that, some of you are going to say, Jesus, really? Really? I mean, isn't that just like the Easter Bunny or Gandalf or Harry Potter myth, fairy tale, legend? You know, for some of you, um, you, your only frame of reference maybe for um, Jesus is, is your childhood. Or maybe you went to church when you were a kid or a teenager and then you thought, oh, that was for when I was a child and I've grown up now. Or maybe for some of you, your frame of reference is that you've had a bad experience of church. And I get that. I've had bad experiences of church as well. But I want you to know if you are kind of connecting to us and listening or watching, if you've had a bad experience of church, don't be put off. Hey, I've had really bad meals at restaurants. I still go to restaurants. Do you remember restaurants? Yep, and when this is all over, we'll all be going to our favourite restaurants, even that one with the golden arches, which everybody seems to want to go to. In fact, me and my wife, again, out for a walk the other day, we don't go to that restaurant, okay? But we said, hey, we really like to go for a Big Mac right now. And, and so, you know, here's the thing. You know, if you've had a bad experience, don't let it put you off. And, and maybe today you just think, well, but, well, I don't know, this whole Jesus thing, it just, it just feels maybe so familiar that we're missing it. And I wonder whether there could be some truth. That are, are we so familiar that we miss the real story? I want to tell you an old preacher joke, okay? It's an old preacher joke for you on Easter Sunday. And there's this um, customs uh, uh, official, and he is at the customs, and he's watching every day, checking, and he sees this guy, this truck driver, and he thinks, that he's up to no good, and, and I'm going to check him out. And so he goes and he looks all around the truck. He says, he's definitely smuggling something, and he can't find anything. And the next week, same truck driver comes, and the guy says, he's definitely up to no good. So he goes and checks the truck uh, out, and he can't find anything, but he says, I know he's smuggling. And this goes on week after week, month after month. Eventually, the customs uh, official is about to retire. And on his last day, he sees the truck driver and he goes to the guy and says, listen, I've been checking your truck week after week, month after month. I know you're up to no good. You're smuggling something. Come on, it's my last day. I'm not going to book you. What are you smuggling? Driver looks at me and says, trucks. You see, sometimes we miss the obvious because we just see the familiar. We miss the real thing. And when it comes to the Jesus story, if you're one of those people and you're connecting in today and you're saying, yeah, this is great. You Christians, you all believe in Jesus, but Jesus didn't live. He's just a myth, fairy tale, legend. You're wrong. You're very, very wrong. The Guardian newspaper put it this way. It says this, these abundant historical references leave us with little reasonable doubt that Jesus lived and died. It's just fact. It's just fact. Then it says this, the more interesting question, which goes beyond history and objective fact, is whether Jesus died and lived. Why do I believe that Jesus didn't just live and die, but that he died and lived? Why do I believe that lockdown couldn't keep him down? Why do I believe that lockdown isn't the end? Let me give you three reasons. And if you're a follower of Jesus today, these are reasons that ground our faith. These are so, so important. If you're not, 
and you're not sure, this could be brand new information for you. And my prayer and our prayer is that you'll hear it and you'll understand it. It won't just be over familiar, but you'll see it for what it is. The first reason is this, eyewitnesses. You see, we, we don't believe that, um, that Jesus rose from the dead just because the Bible tells us so. We believe it because actual people told us so. Hundreds of people uh, claim to have seen the risen Jesus from the dead over a period of many days and weeks after uh, Jesus was crucified. And, and this was before social media. And so what they did is they saw things and they told things and then they wrote things down. And so people like Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and Peter and James. I mean, James was the brother of Jesus. He believed it and he wrote it down. He wrote a whole book about it. I mean, what must you do to convince your brother that you've risen from the dead and that you're the saviour of the world. I mean, who would say that about their brother if it wasn't true? And you know, all these guys and then girls as well, they, they saw Jesus and they wrote it down and they documented it. You know, history says it takes between 60 and 80 years for something to become a legend. And the thought there is that by then, everyone's died and then the story of the person can become the legend, okay? But here's the amazing thing. Within 30 years, Christianity has spread around much of Europe and the Middle East. And there were hundreds and hundreds of believers. In fact, Nero, the emperor of Rome, he blamed the Christians for the great fire of Rome. And that happened because eyewitnesses saw the risen Jesus. And we don't believe in it just because of a book that tells us we believe in it because the book was written by actual people who lived, who claimed that they saw Jesus. Lockdown couldn't keep him down. And we know that because of eyewitnesses. Secondly, there's evidence. There's real evidence. Jesus was a real person, fact. Jesus lived, fact. Jesus died through crucifixion, fact. Jesus was buried in a tomb, fact. Nobody has ever found the body, fact. So all of that is fact. So now you've got to forget all the other side of it. Okay, just think, just with your minds, what happened to the body? If the Jews or the Romans took the body, okay, then surely when Christianity began to grow and that was a threat to them and to their power, they'd have just got the dead body of Jesus and said, look, here he is, here's the corpse, it's all over, it's finished. But they never did that. If the followers of Jesus took the body, then they actually lived and most of them died for what they knew to be a lie. Now, many people give their lives for things, okay? But whether they give their life or not, they believe passionately that what they give their life for is true. What we're saying is that if the followers of Jesus took the body away and then claimed he was risen from the dead, they actually gave their lives for something they knew to be a lie. It just seems crazy, crazy to me. Um, many years ago, some of you will remember the Watergate scandal in the 70s. That's before many of you were born. I know that. Um, but Charles Colson was one of the guys that was uh, involved in that. And he was a politician and he was um, involved in it. And he went to prison for it. And in prison, he became a follower of Jesus. In his lockdown, it's interesting, in his lockdown of prison, Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, met him. But this is what he writes about the resurrection. And it's so, so important. He said this, I know the resurrection is a fact and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified they'd seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. 
Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world and they couldn't keep a lie for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep a lie for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. Wow. On the day that Jesus died, all of his followers unfriended him. They all pressed unfollow. Nobody expected him to die because when he did, he undermined everything he said. He said he's the way, the truth and the life, but now he's dead. When the women went to the tomb, they didn't expect to see him. In fact, in fact nobody expected no body. Nobody expected no body. They all expected it to be a body. And then one of the women, she meets an angel. Now, are angels male or female? Well, Mary's crying and the angel says, woman, why are you crying? Yep, the angels are definitely male, all right? If that, that is definitely a male response. But then she turned around and she sees Jesus. If Jesus is alive, everything about everything changes. What's remarkable to me is that women had no credibility in Jewish culture at the time of Jesus. So, so did you hear that? Women had no credibility at all. It, their testimony was not considered valid in a court of law at all. So if you're making the story up about Jesus rising from the dead, why would you say that women were the first to see him? It makes no sense. It makes no sense. Unless, of course, it wasn't made up, but it was the truth. A guy called Lee Strobel, um, some of you will have heard about him, written an incredible book called The Case for Christ. And he's also written a book called The Case for the Creator, looking at science. And, but he was an atheist and uh, he was a, a lawyer by, by training um, and, and a journalist, so a legal journalist. And, uh, and he was an atheist. And one, and one day his wife came home and, and she, she, uh, she'd been to church um, and she didn't tell him. And then a few weeks later, she eventually plucked up the courage and she told him she'd been to church. Uh, and he was an atheist and he was a legal uh, journalist, so he got a, you know that kind of a brain, investigative brain, and so he went to the church to check it out, and then he looked at the evidence, then he looked at the facts, then he looked at the theories, and he looked at all that, and this is what he says in his own words, in the end, in the end, after I, ha I had thoroughly investigated the matter, I reached an unexpected conclusion. It would actually take more faith to maintain my atheism than to become a follower of Jesus. And that's why I'm now celebrating my 30th Easter as a Christian. Not because of wishful thinking, the fear of death, or the need for a psychological crutch, but because of the facts. You see, lockdown couldn't keep him down. How do we know that? We know it because of evidence. But the third thing, and I want to major on this with you guys today. The third thing where we know about Jesus rising from the dead is experience experience. You see, for the early Christians, their experience of the resurrected Jesus changed everything. You see, here's the thing. After Jesus died and was put in the, in the, in the tomb and the tomb was uh, sealed and they thought he, he died and some of them went back to fishing and they went off. And then, and then there's a story where they were all in a room and they were in lockdown. They were self-isolating in a room. And here's the thing. They met the risen Jesus. And you know, as I walked to, to the building today and, you know, I have to say, you know, I, I love Easter Sunday and that I'm speaking to a, an empty room here, but I'm trying to communicate to you guys who are watching from your homes. Even if the room is locked up, Jesus isn't. 
Even if our building is, is locked up, Jesus isn't. And that locked room, that upper room, could not keep Jesus out of it. And they believed in the resurrected Jesus because they met him. And our hope and our prayer, guys, for you today is that in your homes, in the middle of this lockdown, you will also meet the resurrected Jesus. And maybe you already know him and you've experienced him. My prayer is that on this strangest of Easter days, you'd experience him again. But if you've never met him, or if you used to know him, my prayer is that he will come through, through the the digital technology that we've got, and you will meet the resurrected Jesus, because experience changes everything. You know, two years ago, a lady called Ruth walked into our church. She looked then very different to how she looks now. And she didn't believe in Jesus at that time, but she came to put her faith and trust in him because she met him. She had the experience. I want her to tell you her story. This is Ruth's story. Hi, my name's Ruth and I'm 38 years old. I was christened as a baby and I enjoyed going to Sunday school, seeing my friends and loved listening to the Bible stories, but I never really felt connected with God. I was a young carer for my mum who had multiple sclerosis and dad had left us as a baby. I couldn't work out if God was so powerful and for miracles, why did he let so many bad things happen? Then at 22, I became seriously ill myself with a mixed connective tissue disorder and my body started attacking itself. It's caused chronic pain and fatigue and by 26, I was permanently in a wheelchair. I couldn't cope physically or mentally and I sadly used alcohol to black everything out. At 32, they found a new drug and combined it with physio twice a week. I managed to get into work and I was in a long-term relationship, which should have been a positive thing, but he became abusive and was convicted for domestic violence in November 2016. After the verdict, I had a complete mental breakdown and I was gripped by fear and anxiety. I sadly used alcohol to cope again and I was on self-destruct and I ended up losing my job. I shut everyone out. Unfortunately, alcohol with the medication for my illness meant that my body completely shut down and in August 2017, I collapsed and was rushed into hospital. I had two blood transfusions and was put in critical care. My family were called in the night to come and say bye to me because the doctors didn't think I was going to make it through. Miraculously, I pulled through, and although I was diagnosed with cirrhosis of the liver, then after seven weeks of being in hospital, I was allowed to go home. I was so grateful to have a home, my family and my close friends, and they helped me get into a daily routine, but I was still so lost and I didn't know who I was. Then, in January 2018, my friend asked me to come to church, and I did. There were so many people, but they seemed lovely, genuine and happy. The pastor delivered the sermon and I felt like he knew my whole life story. I felt very emotional and experienced the presence of God for the first time. But I didn't know what it was at the time. I felt very calm, but I couldn't stop crying. Once I felt that connection with God, I wanted to know more and more about him. I was hungry to connect with him. In June, I joined a hosting team and that gave me a great sense of belonging, connecting with people before and after the service. And I also joined a connect group, which has given me immense support and and they've helped me and answer all my unanswered questions. In September, I did Alpha and I learned how to hear God's voice. 
And in October, I stepped out of my comfort zone and went on a mission trip to Albania, which has got to be the best thing that I've ever done. I learned about God, about the church, and about myself. And here, he guided me through the whole week, like I, as I undertook new challenges, like praying out loud for people for the first time. I wanted to be fully committed to God and walk with him in his way. So when I came back, I was baptized. This was the most defining moment in my life. My old life was gone and my new had begun. I was no longer a victim and I was a child of God. I used to be full of anger, resentment and bitterness and I used to be gripped by fear and anxiety. But now I have calm and I'm full of inner peace. Uh, my heart feels like it's melted and overflowing for my love for Jesus, the church and life itself. I found a new identity in Christ, and I know I will never be alone again. As my faith has grown stronger, so has my physical health. I'm now walking unaided and building up my distances, uh, which is hard to believe, because 12 months ago, I was still using a wheelchair for longer distances. And not only that, in January this year, I've managed to get back into full-time work, and I've gone back to the Open University to finish my degree. I couldn't have done even one of these things last year on their own and now I'm doing both together with God's strength. I always used to think that there can't be a God as so many bad things happen. However, after coming to church, I now know this isn't true. There is nowhere in the Bible that tells you that life will be perfect when you become a Christian. Far from it, there are many struggles in there. What it teaches you is that you're never on your own. Now, not only do I have God in my life, I have a new family in the church who love and support me for being me. And I just want everyone to have God in their lives. God is awesome and amazing. And I just wish I'd have done this a lot sooner. So powerful, isn't it? You know, this is when lockdown isn't the end. When you have the risen Jesus in your life. And yes, there are eyewitnesses and yes, there's evidence, but ultimately it comes to experience. And if, and if lockdown couldn't keep him down, and one of the lines I think in Tom's piece earlier on, when lockdown couldn't keep love down, you know, and it's so important that, that you, we understand, you know, that, that, that this same Jesus that has changed Ruth's life, that's changed my life, that's changed many, many people's lives can also change your life as well. And you might think, well, I'm already a Christian, but, but, but I'm still in lockdown. And yes, and the risen Jesus can come into your life again afresh. Or maybe you're saying, yeah, but I'm not a follower of Jesus and I've never experienced him for myself. I'm going to give you an opportunity in a few minutes to do that. You see, here's the difference. When you know the risen Jesus, what it means is this. Every prayer you ever pray is heard because Jesus is alive. Every challenge you ever face, you never face it alone because Jesus is alive. Every funeral you ever go to, you don't go to it on your own and with no hope. You go to it with him and with hope in eternity because Jesus is alive. Every ounce of faithfulness and service that you put out there matters and is counted because Jesus is alive. And every time something dies in your life, whether it's a relationship or whether it's a job or, or whether something goes into lockdown like we're experiencing right now, it isn't the end because Jesus is alive. It's so, so exciting. Easter is why lockdown isn't the end. 
For Ruth, her lockdown was, well, there were lots. There was a physical one. And can I just say, we filmed that several months ago. She looks very different to that now as well. In fact, just a few weeks ago, she was on a team with me and some other guys and girls. And we were out to India just in the end of February. And, and just seeing God at work in her. Physically, she was in lockdown. Mentally, emotionally, spiritually. But she met the risen Jesus. And that means that lockdown isn't the end. And it wasn't for her. And it isn't for you. Here's my main point that I've been saying. Our lockdown is for our safety. His lockdown was for our salvation. So, so what? You might be saying, so what? What do I do with all this today on Easter Sunday? As you look out the window and you think about what you might have been wanting to do on Easter Sunday, what do you do? Well, well, let me just apply it to three groups of people today. Number one, if you do believe, thank God. If you do believe and you know this is true, thank God. Live in new life, even while you're in lockdown. You know, I read a phrase a while ago and it said this, what we have in God is more than what we don't have in life. I don't know about you, but right now there's lots of things that many of us, we're thinking about, oh, you know, we don't have this and we can't do that. And, and some of us are starting to think about our summer holidays that might not happen. And I get all of that. But, but as we do that, let's remind ourselves, not just of what we might not have, or what has been taken from us because of lockdown. But let's remind ourselves of what we do have because Jesus has risen from the dead. And that means there's so much for us to be thankful for. If you do believe, live in the reality of the resurrection of Jesus. You know, in the tomb, it's not true that there was nothing in the tomb. There was no body, but there was something in the tomb. There were grave clothes. And grave clothes speak of the trappings of death. And Jesus cast them aside and he wore out of the tomb into new life. And here's the thing, guys, wherever you're from, whether you're part of our church, another church, whether you're in another country, if you know Jesus, step out of the trappings of death and live in the new life, even in lockdown, because lockdown isn't the end, because you can't put love down. And you can't put Jesus down. You cannot lock him down. So I want to encourage you, if you do believe, today on Easter Sunday, live in gratitude and be thankful and grateful to God for all he's done. Maybe, maybe you did believe. Maybe you did believe. Once upon a time, you did believe. Maybe as a younger person, and maybe you, you, you got busy or you got overwhelmed or... Or here's a, a radical thing. Somebody hurt you in church and you walked away. And you did believe and you did follow and you had a relationship with Jesus, but now you don't. You can again. You can again. My biggest prayer will be that people who don't know Jesus or who used to know Jesus today on Easter Sunday in the middle of this crazy lockdown that we're in will come back to following Jesus or for the first time give their lives and say yes to Jesus. You can do that. And as I was praying last night, I believe that God gave me a word for some of you out there. And by that, I just mean a specific thing. Then there's, a, there's a, a, a verse in the book of Galatians where Paul says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you? You were running a good race. Who cut in on you? And I felt that God wanted to say that there are some of you and you're watching and, and you're listening and you were running well with Jesus, but someone or something cut in you. It cut in on you. It cut across you. And that, and that impact of cutting across you meant that you were out the race and now you're not following him. And Jesus says, today, Easter Sunday, 2020, the strangest Easter Sunday ever, I think, okay? This is the day when you can come back again. The risen Jesus who rose from the dead for you and wants a relationship with you. If you did believe, you can again. And finally, 
If you don't believe or you've never given your life to Jesus, you can do that right here, right now. What I wanna do is I wanna lead you in a prayer. And so if you want to, for the first time, give your life to this risen Jesus. You don't need to know everything. I don't know everything. We're still learning. But you know, do you know what? In the middle of this lockdown that we're in, could it be that God loves us so much that He gave His only Son? He locked His Son down into the form of a human being and then ultimately onto a cross and into a tomb. And He did that, not for our safety, but for our salvation. If that's true, I wanna lead you in a prayer right now. And so if you don't believe and you want to, for the first time, make a commitment to Him, then you can do that. Or maybe you did believe and today you wanna respond, then here's what I want you to do. You can respond right now by, by just pressing the raise hand button that will come up in the church online. If you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, just write in the comments, I wanna respond. And someone will send you a link and you can do that. So right now, if you don't believe or if you did believe and today on Easter Sunday, you wanna say, I wanna respond. I wanna give my life to Jesus. I wanna come back to Jesus. I'd love you just to, just to click on that raise hand button right now as I pray for you. Jesus, I wanna pray for every single person who's watching or listening. God, they're in their rooms and I'm not there. And, but God, it doesn't matter that I'm not there because Jesus, you're there. 2,000 years ago, the disciples were in a room and you died, that's what they thought, but you rose again and you came, you don't even need the door, you came straight through into the room and you gave them new life. And Jesus, I wanna pray that you would come into the lives, into the rooms of every single person who's responding to you right now and you'd give them new life, the resurrection life, the life that means that we can face this lockdown that we can face the ultimate lockdown of death itself. And it's not the end because you have risen from the dead. So Jesus, I pray as we respond to you right now, would you come into their lives, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. And guys, I wanna say one more thing. It may be that some of you are in the middle of lockdown and I don't know about you, but maybe lockdown is getting you down. <laughs> maybe it's getting you down right now. And it may not be the lockdown of coronavirus. Maybe it's something else. Maybe you are locked down with a health situation or relationship or financial or whatever. Maybe you've got an addiction and it's locking you down. I'd love to pray for you. And you know, our online pastors would love to pray for you as well. And you can engage that by just simply uh, uh, clicking the request prayer button if you're on church online. If you're on YouTube or Facebook, just say, I want prayer. Just write in, I want prayer and someone will contact you and they'll privately pray for you. I would love to pray for you before we sing our final song together. Jesus, I wanna thank you for Resurrection Sunday. God, everything's different because of this one event. And Jesus, I wanna pray right now for every single person, every single family. And yeah, we're in the middle of this lockdown together, but maybe some of us are in other kinds of lockdowns as well. But lockdown isn't the end because you have risen from the dead. And so God, would you just come into people's lives again right now? Jesus, I pray as people may be asking for prayer or, or just reaching out to you from their rooms, God, would you come close to them, touch them, encourage them and give them life. You, we don't have to wait to the end, that verse said, because you are the resurrection and the life. And Jesus, now as we sing this last song, God, I wanna pray that as we sing it in our, in our rooms, in our homes, in our living rooms, wherever, God, may we lift our voices and declare how great you are. 
because you didn't stay locked down because lockdown cannot keep you down. And God, we thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. You know, before we sing this final song, you know, um, in, the, in the Anglican tradition, there's a, there's a tradition where we say, He is risen, and then you say, He is risen indeed. So I'm gonna try it virtually, okay? He is risen. He is risen indeed. I'm just, I'm gonna try that again, because I don't know whether you did it, but I'm gonna just gonna try it, okay? So all of you in the room, okay, massively, He is risen indeed, okay? Here we go. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Fantastic. Let's sing this amazing song together. Oh, praise the name.